Section 2 of Omens and Superstitions of Southern India. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Siddharth. Omens and Superstitions of Southern India by Edgar Thurston. Chapter 1 Omens. Part 2. The Telugu Tortians who have settled in the Tamil country are said by Mr. F. R. Hemingway not to recognize the superiority of Brahmins. They are supposed to possess unholy powers, especially the Nalla, black Golas, and are much dreaded by their neighbors. They do not allow any strangers to enter their villages with shoes on, or on horseback, or holding up an umbrella, lest their guard should be offended. It is believed that if anyone breaks this rule, he will be visited with illness or some other punishment. I am informed by Mr. S. P. Rice, when smallpox breaks out in a Hindu house, it is a popular belief that to allow strangers or unclean persons to go into the house, to observe festivals, and even to permit persons who have combed their hair, bathed in oil, or had a shave, to see the patient would arouse the anger of the goddess and bring certain death to the sick person. Strangers and young married women are not admitted to and may not approach the house as they may have had sexual intercourse on the previous day. It is believed that the sight or breath of Mohammedans just after they have said their prayers at a mosque will do good to children suffering from various disorders. Women carry or take their children and post themselves at the entrance to a mosque at the time when the worshippers leave it. Most of them are Hindus, but sometimes poor Eurasians may be seen there. I once received a pathetic appeal from a Eurasian woman in Malabar, imploring me to lay my hands on the head of her sick child, so that its life may be spared. In teaching the Grantha alphabet to children, they are made to repeat the letter Ka, twice quickly without pausing, as the word ka means die. In Malabar, the instruction of a Tian child in the alphabet is said by Mr. F. Fawcett to begin on the last day of the Dasara festival in the fifth year of its life. A teacher who has been selected with care or lucky person holds the child's right hand and makes it trace the letters of the Malayalam alphabet in rice spread on a plate. The forefinger which is the one used in offering water to the souls of the dead and in other parts of the death ceremonies, must not be used for tracing the letters, but is placed above the middle finger merely to steady it. For the same reason, a doctor, when making a pill, will not use the forefinger. To mention the number seven in Telugu is unlucky, because the word yedu is the same as that for weeping, even a treasury officer who is an enlightened university graduate in counting money will say six and one. The number seven is for the same reason considered unlucky by the Koravas, and a housebreaking expedition should not consist of seven men. Should this, however, be unavoidable, a fiction is indulged in of making the housebreaking implement the eighth member of the gang. In Tamil, the word ten is considered inauspicious because on the tenth day after the death of her husband, a widow removes the emblems of married life. Probably for this reason, the offspring of Kallan, 
polyandrous marriages style themselves the children of eight and two, not ten fathers. Labha is a Sanskrit word meaning profit or gain, and has its equivalent in all the vernacular languages. Hindus, when counting, commence with this word instead of the word signifying one. In like manner, Mohammedans use the word Bismillah or Purkhet, apparently as an invocation like the medicinal Rx, O Jupiter, aid us. When the number a hundred has been counted, they again begin with the substitute for one, and this serves as one for the person who is keeping the tally. Oriya merchants say, Labho, gain, instead of Eko, one, when counting out the seeds of rice for the elephant's rations. The people of the Oriya Zamindars often use not the year of the Hindu cycle or Muhammadan era, but the year of the reigning Raja of Puri. The first year of the reign is called not one but Labho. The counting then proceeds in the ordinary course, but with exception of the number ten. All numbers sending with seven or nothing are omitted. This is called the Onko. Thus, if a Raja has reigned two and a half years, he would be said to be in the twenty-fifth onko, seventy-seven and twenty being omitted. For chewing beetle, two other ingredients are necessary, that is areca nuts and chunam. For some reason, Tamil Vaishnavas object to mentioning the last by name, and call it Munavudu, or the third. At a Brahmin funeral, the sons and nephews of the deceased go round the corpse and untie their kudumi, hair knot, leaving part thereof loose, tie up the rest into a small bunch and slap their thighs. Consequently, when children at play have their kudumi partially tied and slap their thighs, they are invariably scolded owing to the association with funerals. Among all Hindu classes, it is considered as an insult to the god to bathe or wash the feet on returning home from worship at a temple, and by doing so, the punyam, good, would be lost. Moreover, washing the feet at the entrance to a home is connected with funerals inasmuch as, on the return from the burning ground, a mourner may not enter the house until he has washed his feet. The Badagas of the Nilgiris hold an agricultural festival called Debe, which should on no account be pronounced Dubbe, which means burning ground. A bazaar shopkeeper who deals in colors will not sell white paint after the lamps have been lighted. In like manner, a cloth dealer refuses to sell black cloth, and the dealer in hardware to sell nails, needles, etc., lest poverty should ensue. Digging operations with a spade should be stopped before the lamps are lighted. The beetle wine cultivator objects to entering his garden or plucking a leaf after the lighting of lamps, but if some leaves are urgently required, he will, before plucking them, pour water from a pot at the foot of the tree on which the wine is growing. A rock. Liquor vendors consider it unlucky to set their measures upside down. Some time ago, the exercise commissioner informs me the Madras Excise Department had some aluminium measures made for measuring a rack in liquor shops, 
It was found that the air corroded the aluminium and the meshes soon leaked. The shopkeepers were told to turn their meshes upside down in order that they might train. This they refused to do as it would bring bad luck to their shops. New meshes with round bottoms which would not stand up were evolved. But the shopkeepers began to use rings of Indian rubber from soda water bottles to make them stand. An endeavor was then made to induce them to keep their measures inverted by hanging them on pegs so that they would drain without being turned upside down. The case illustrates how important a knowledge of the superstitions of people is in the administration of their affairs. Even so trifling an innovation as the introduction of a new arrangement for maintaining tension in the wrap during the process of weaving gave rise a few years ago to strike among the handloom weavers at Madras Gulavats. When a Paidi agriculturist and weavers in Kanjam is seriously ill, a male or female sorcerer, Bijjo or Bijjano, is consulted. A square is divided into 16 compartments is drawn on the floor with rice floor. In each compartment are placed a leaf cup of putia frondosa, a quarter ana piece, and some food. Seven small bows and arrows are set up in front thereof in two loins. On one side of the square, a big cup filled with food is placed, a fowl is sacrificed, and its blood poured thrice down this cup. Then placing water in a vessel near the cup, the sorcerer or the sorceress throws into a grain of rice, giving out at the same time the name of some god or goddess. If the rice sinks, it is believed that the illness is caused by the anger of the deity, whose name has been mentioned. If the rice floats, the name of various deities are called out until a grain sinks. When selecting a site for a new dwelling hut, the Malia Savaras place on the proposed site as many grains of rice and pears as there are married members in the family and cover them over with a coconut shell. They are examined on the following day and if they are all there, the site is considered auspicious. Among the Kapu Savaras, the grains of rice are folded up in leaflets of the bale tree. Eagle marmelos and placed in a split bamboo. It is recorded by Gloria that when a dome, Vishakapatnam Hill Tribe house has to be built, the first thing is to select a favorable spot to which few evil spirits Dumas resort. At this spot they put in several places three grains of rice arranged in such a way that the two lower grains support the upper one. To protect their grains they pile up stones around them and the hole is lightly covered with earth. When after some time they find on inspection that the upper grain has fallen off, this spot is regarded as unlucky and must not be used. If the position of the grains remains unchanged, the omen is regarded as auspicious. They drive in the first post, which must have a certain length of say of five, seven or nine L's. The L being measured from the tip of the middle finger to the elbow. The post is covered on the top with rice straw, leaves and shrubs, so that birds may not follow it, which would be an evil omen. In Madras, our story is current with reference to the statue of Sir Thomas Munro, 
that he seized upon all the rice depot, and starved the people by selling rice in eggshells at one shell for a rupee. To punish him, the government erected the statue in an open place without a canopy, so that birds of the air might insult him by polluting his face. In the Bellari district, the names Munrol and Munrolappa are common, and are given in hope that the boy may attain the same celebrity as the former governor of Madras. I once came across a Telugu cultivator who rejoiced in the name of Curzon. One of Sir Thomas Munro's good qualities was that, like Rama and Robroy, his arms reached to his knees, or in other words, he possessed the quality of an Ajanabahu, which is the heritage of kings, or those who have blue blood in them. In a case of dispute between two Kuravas, the decision is sometimes arrived at by means of an ordeal. An equal quality of rice is placed in two pots of equal weight, having the same quantity of water, and there is an equal quantity of firewood. The judges satisfy themselves most carefully as to the quantity, weights, and so on. The water is boiled, and the man whose rice boils first is declared to be the winner of the dispute. The loser has to recoup the winner all his expenses. It sometimes happens that both pots boil at the same time. Then a coin is to be picked out of a pot containing boiling oil. At one of the religious ceremonies of the Kuravas, offerings of boiled rice are pungal are made to the deity Polirama by fasting women. The manner in which the boiling food bubbles over from the cooking pot is eagerly watched and accepted as an omen for good or evil a festival called Pungal is observed by Hindus on the first day of the Tamil month Tai and derives its name from the fact that rice boiled in milk is offered to propitiate the sun god before the ceremony of walking through fire burning embers at Nidugala on the Nilgiris the omens are taken by boiling two pots of milk side by side on two hearts if the milk overflows uniformly on all sides, the crops will be abundant for all the villages, but if it flows over on one side only, then there will be plenty of crops for the villages on that side only. For boiling the milk, a light obtained by friction must be used. After the milk boiling ceremonial, the Pujari priest, tying bells on his legs, approaches the fire pit, carrying milk freshly drawn from a cow, which has calved for the first time and flowers of rhododendron leucas or jasmine after doing puja worship he throws the flowers on the embers and they should remain unscorched for a few seconds he then pours some of the milk over the embers and no hissing sound should be produced the omens being propitious he walks over the glowing embers followed by a udaya and the crowd of celebrants who, before going through the ordeal, count the hairs on their feet. If any are signed, it is a sign of approaching ill fortune or even death. It is recorded by Rev. J. Kane that when the Koyis of Godavari district determine to appease the goddess of smallpox or cholera, they erect a pandal booth outside the village under a neem tree, Miliazar Director, they make an image of a woman with earth from a white ant hill, tie a cloth or two round it, 
hang a few peacock feathers round its neck and place it under the pandal on a three-legged stool made from wood of the silk cotton tree cockless permum gossipium they then bring forward a chicken and try to persuade it to eat some of the grains which they have thrown before the image requesting the goddess to inform them whether she will leave their village or not if the chicken picks up some of the grains they regard it as most favorable omen but if not their hearts are filled with dread of the continued anger of the goddess at the pudevi panduga or festival of the earth goddess according to mr f r hemingway the koyis set up a stone beneath a terminalia tormentosa tree which is thus dedicated to the goddess kodalamma each worshipper brings a cock to the priest who holds it over grains of rice which have been sprinkled before the goddess if the bird pecks at the rice good luck is ensured for the coming year whilst if perchance the bird pecks three times the offerer of that particular bird can scarcely contain himself for joy if the bird declines to touch the grains a luck is sure to visit the owner's house during the ensuing year concerning a boundary oath in the mulkangiri taluk of yakpatnam mr c a henderson writes to me as follows the pujari priest leveled a piece of ground about a foot square and smeared it with cow dung the boundary was marked with rice flour and turmeric and a small heap of rice and cow dung was left in the middle a sword was laid across the heap the pujari touched the rice flour line with the tips of his fingers and then pressed his knuckles on the same place thus leaving an exit on the south side he then held a chicken over the central heap and muttered some mantrams the chicken pecked at the rice and an egg was placed on the heap the chicken then pecked at the rice again the ceremony then waited for another party who performed a similar ceremony there was some amusement because their chickens would not eat the chickens were decapitated and their heads placed in the square the eggs were then broken it was raining and there was a resulting puddle of cow dung chicken's blood egg and rice of which the representatives of each party took a portion and eat it or pretended to do so stating to whom the land belonged there is said to be a belief that if a man swears falsely he will die though not bearing on the subject of omens some further boundary ceremonies may be placed under reference at satamangalam in the south arcot district the festival of the goddess mariamma is said to be crowned by the sacrifice at midnight of a goat the entrails of which are hung round the neck of the toti scavenger who then goes stark naked save for this one adornment round all the village boundaries it is recorded by bishop whitehead that in some parts of the tamil country example in the trichinopoly district at the ceremony for the propitiation of the village boundary goddess a priest carries a pot containing boiled rice and the blood of a lamb which has been sacrificed to the boundary stone round which he runs three times the third time he throws the pot over his shoulder onto another smaller stone which stands at the foot of the boundary stone the pot is dashed to pieces and the rice and blood scatter all over the two stones and all round them
The priest then goes away without looking back, falling by the crowd of the villagers in dead silence. In the Kadapa district, when there is a boundary dispute in a village, an image of the goddess Gangamma is placed in the street and left there for two days. The head of a buffalo and several sheep are offered to her, and the blood is allowed to run into the gutter. The goddess is then worshipped, and she is implored to point out the correct boundary. In Mysore, if there is a dispute as to the village boundaries, the Holeya Gulavadi is believed to be the only person competent to take the oath as to how the boundary ought to run. The old custom for settling such disputes is thus described by Captain J. S. F. Mackenzie. Nikubadi, carrying on his head a ball made of the village earth, in the center of which is placed some earth, passes along the boundary. If he has kept the proper line, everything goes well, but should he by accident even go beyond his own proper boundary, then the ball of earth of its own accord goes to pieces. The Kuvadi is said to die within fifteen days, and his house becomes a ruin. Such is a popular belief. Some years ago, Mr. H. T. Taylor was called on to settle a boundary dispute between two villages in Jaipur under the following circumstances. As a result of a panchayat council meeting, the men of one village had agreed to accept the boundaries claimed by the other party if the head of their village walked round the boundary and ate earth at intervals, provided that no harm came to him within six months. The man accordingly preambulated the bounty-eating earth, and a conditional order of possession was given. Shortly afterwards, the man's cattle died, one of his children died of smallpox, and finally he himself died within three months. The other party then claimed the land on the ground that the earth goddess had proved him to have perjured himself. It was urged in defense that the man had been made to eat earth at such frequent intervals that he had contracted dysentery and died from the effects of earth-eating. When the time for the annual festival of the tribal goddess of the Kurivik Gardens, Marathi-speaking beggars, draws nigh, the headman or an elder piles up Vigna Katyang seeds in five small heaps. He then decides in his mind whether there is an odd or even number of seeds in the majority of heaps. If the seeds are counted, the result agrees with his forecast. It is taken as a sign of the approval of the goddess, and arrangements for the festival are made. Otherwise, it is abandoned for the year. At the annual festival of Chaudeshwari, the tribal goddess of Devanga weavers, the priest tries to balance a long sword on its point on the edge of the mouth of a pot. A lime fruit is placed in the region of the navel of the idol, who should throw it down spontaneously. A bundle of beetle leaves is cut across with a knife, and the cut ends should unite. If the omens are favorable, a lamp made of rice flour is lighted, and pungal boiled rice is offered to it. It is recorded by Cantor Vischer that in the building of a house in Malabar, the carpenters open three or four coconuts, spilling the juice as little as possible, and put some tips of beetle leaves into them. From the way these float on the liquid, they foretell whether the house will be lucky or unlucky. 
whether it will stand for a long or short period and whether another will be erected on its state on its site kurawa women if their husbands are absent on a criminal expedition long enough to arouse apprehension of danger pull a long piece out of a broom and tie to one end of it several small pieces dipped in oil if the stick floats in water all is well but should it sink two of the women start at once to find the men in the village of chakibanda in the kadapa district there is a pool of water at the foot of a hill those who are desirous of getting children wealth etc go there and pour oil into the water the oil is said not to float as is usual in greasy bubbles but to sink and never rise they also offer betel leaves on which turmeric and kumkum have been placed if these leaves sink and after some time reappear without the turmeric and kumkum but with marks of nails upon them the person offering them will gain his wishes the contents of the leaves and the oil are supposed to be consumed by some divine being at the bottom of the pool at mari cheruvu in kadapa district there is a small waterfall in the midst of a jungle which is visited annually by a large number of pilgrims those who are anxious to know if if their sins are forgiven stand under the fall if they are acceptable the water falls on their heads but if they have some great guilt weighing on them the water spurs on one side and refuses to be polluted by contact with the sinner among the vadas telugu fishermen the mannaru is an important individual who not only performs worship but is consulted on many points if a man does not secure good catches of fish he goes to the mannaru to ascertain the cause of his bad luck the mannaru holds in his hand a string on which a stone is tied and invokes various gods and goddesses by name every time a name is mentioned the stone either swings to and fro like a pendulum or performs a circular movement if the former occurs it is a sign that the deity whose name has been pronounced is the cause of the misfortune and must be propitiated in a suitable manner the nobat bauris or bavarias who commit robberies and manufacture counterfeit coin keep with them a small quantity of wheat and sandal seeds in a tin or brass case which they call devakadana or god's grain and a tuft of peacock's feathers they are very superstitious and do not embark on any enterprise without first ascertaining by omens whether it will be attended with success or not this they do by taking at random a small quantity of grains out of the devakadana and counting the number thereof the omen being considered good or bad according as the number is odd or even a gang of tonga dasaris before starting on a thieving expedition proceed to the jungle near the village in the early part of the night worship their favorite goddesses huligabba and ellamma and sacrifice a sheep or fowl before them they place one of their turbans on the head of the animal as soon as its head falls on the ground if the turban turns to the right it is considered a good sign the goddess having permitted them to proceed on the expedition if to the left they return home hanuman the monkey god is also consulted as to such expeditions 
they go to a Hanuman temple and after worshipping him, garland him with a wreath of flowers. The garland hangs on both sides of the neck. If any of the flowers on the right side drop down first, it is regarded as permission granted by the god to start on a plundering expedition, and conversely, an expedition never undertaken if the flower happens to drop down from the left side first. The Kallans are said by Mr. F. S. Mulale to consult the deity before starting on depredations. Two flowers, the one red and the other white, are placed before the idol, a symbol of their god Kalla Alagar. The white flower is an emblem of success. A child of tender years is told to pluck a pedestal of one of the two flowers and the success of the undertaking rests upon the choice made by the child. The Pullu and astrologers of Malawa sometimes calculate beforehand the result of a project in which they are engaged by placing before the god two bouquets of flowers, one red and the other white, of which a child picks out one with its eyes closed. The selection of the white bouquet predicts auspicious results of the red, the reverse. In the same way, when the Kamalans, Tamil artisans, appoint their to preside over them, five men selected from each of the five divisions meet at the temple of the caste goddess Kamakshiyamman. The names of the five men are written on five slips of paper, which together with some blank slips are thrown before the shrine of the goddess. A child taken at random from the assembled crowd is made to pick up the slips and he whose name turns up first is proclaimed Anjibitanatamaikaran. Eclipses are regarded as precursors of evil which must, if possible, be averted concerning the origin thereof. According to tradition in Malabar, Mr. Gopal Panaka writes as follows, Tradition says that when an eclipse takes place, Rahu the huge serpent is devouring the sun or moon, as the case may be, an eclipse being thus the decrease of one of those heavenly bodies, people must of necessity observe pollution for the period during which the eclipse lasts. When the monster spits out the body, the eclipse is over. Food and drink taken during an eclipse possesses poisonous properties, and people thereof abstain from eating and drinking until the eclipse is over. They bathe at the end of the eclipse as so as to get rid of the pollution. Anyone shutting himself from exposure may be exempted from this obligation to take a bath. Deaths from drowning are not unknown in Madras at times of eclipse, when Hindus bathe in the sea and get washed away by the surf. It is said that before an eclipse the people prepare their drums, etc., to frighten the giant, lest he should eat up the moon entirely. Images of snakes are offered to the deity on days of eclipse by Brahmins, on whose star day the eclipse falls to appease the wrath of the terrible Rahu. It is noted by Mr. S. M. Natesa Shastri that the eclipse must take place on some asterism or, or other, and if that asterism happens to be that in which any Hindu was born, he has to perform some special ceremonies to absolve himself from impending evil. 
he makes a plate of gold or silver or palm leaf according to his means and ties it on his forehead with Sanskrit verses inscribed on it. He sits on this plate for some time, performs certain ceremonies, bathes with the plate untied, and presents it to a Brahmin with some fee, ranging from four annas to several thousands of rupees. The belief that an eclipse is a calamity to the sun or moon is such a strong Hindu belief that no marriage takes place in the month in which the eclipse falls. I gather that during an eclipse many of the people retire into their houses and remain behind closed doors until the evil hour has passed. The time is in all respects inauspicious and no work began or completed during this period can meet with success. Indeed, so great is the dread that no one would think of initiating any important work at this time. More especially is it fatal to women who are pregnant for the evil will fall upon the unborn babe, and in cases of serious malformation or congenital lameness, the cause is said to be that the mother looked on an eclipse. Women, therefore, not only retire into a house, but in order that they may be further protected from evil, they burn horns shavings. The evils of an eclipse are not limited to human beings, but cattle and crops also need protection from the malignant spirits, which are an supposed to be abroad in order that the cattle may be preserved they are as far as possible taken indoors and especially those which have young calves and to make assurance doubly sure their horns are smeared with chunam lime the crops are protected by procuring ashes from the potter's field which seem to be specifically potent against evil spirits with these ashes images are made and placed on the four sides of the field. Comets, too, are looked upon as omens of evil. When a person is about to occupy a new house, he takes particular care to see that the planet Venus does not face him as he enters it. With this star before him, he sometimes postpones the occupation, or, if he is obliged to enter, he reluctantly does so through the back door. On the day of the capture of Sri Rangapatnam, which, being the last day of the lunar month, was inauspicious, the astrologer repeated the unfavorable omen to Tipu Sultan, who was slain in the course of the battle. It is recorded that to different Brahmins he gave a black buffalo, a milch buffalo, a male buffalo, a black she-goat, a jacket of coarse black cloth, a cap of the same material, 90 rupees, and an iron pot filled with oil, and previous to the delivery of this last article, he held his head over the pot for the purpose of seeing the image of his face, a ceremony used in Hindustan to avert misfortune. In the time at which the address of welcome by the Madras Municipal Corporation to Sir Arthur Lawley on his taking over the governorship of Madras was changed from 12.30 p.m. to 1 p.m. on Wednesday, as the time originally fixed fell within the period of Rahu Kalam, which is an inauspicious hour on that day. It is considered by a Hindu unlucky to get shaved for ceremonial purposes in the months of Adi, Purattasi, Margari, and Masi, and in the remaining months, Sunday, Tuesday, and Saturday should be avoided.
Further, the star under which a man was born has to be taken into consideration, and it may happen that an inauspicious day for being shaved does not occur for some weeks. It is on this account that orthodox Hindus are sometimes compelled to go about with unkempt chins, even for anointing the body, auspicious and inauspicious days are prescribed. Thus, anointing on Sunday causes laws of beauty, on Monday brings increase of riches, and on Thursday laws of intellect. If a person is obliged to anoint himself on Sunday, he should put a bit of the root of oleander, nerium, in the oil and heat it before applying it. This is supposed to avert evil influences. Similarly, on Tuesday, dry earth, on Thursday, roots of cyanodau, dactylon, and on Friday, ashes must be used. It is considered auspicious if a girl attains puberty on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, and the omens vary according to the month in which the first menstrual period occurs. Thus, the month of Vaigasi ensures prosperity, Ani, male issue, Masi, happiness, Margari, well-behaved children, Panguni, long life and many children. At the first menstrual ceremony of a Tian girl in Malabar, her aunt, or if she is married, her husband's sister pours gingerly sesame oil over her head, on the top of which a gold phanum coin has been placed. The oil is poured from a little cup made from a leaf of the jack tree. Arthocarpus integrifolia flows over the forehead and is received with the phanum in a dish. It is a good omen if the coin falls with the obverse upwards. End of section 2